0: Hey guys, heads up, this episode is a long one.
1: And we do want to give you a heads up that there are some trigger warnings coming up, so if there are little kids in the car, maybe don't press play with them
0: around. Yeah, so we hope you enjoyed the show, but just keep in mind, you might want to split it up, but we really enjoyed having you here. Hey Zen friends, welcome to Crazy Zen Life. I'm your host, Brittany Swan. And I'm your host, Shannon Kessler.
1: Join us as we navigate life on and off our yoga mats. This is a podcast about mom life, boss life, and body life. Real conversations about self-discovery and the journey of becoming more
0: mindful in this crazy Zen life. We got it. We're back on Social Catch-Up. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a great show today. I am super excited to bring all these topics. A little dark, a little heavy, a little light here and there, but um, we're happy that you're here listening with us. Shannon, what the hell is going on with you this week?
1: Well, this week, girl, I, it's been a, I've had some things. I've got some critter updates going on. Okay. So this week, uh, beginning of the week, Georgie and I were coming in from outside in the morning. It's still dark out. It's like, I don't know, 6.30, 6.45. We come inside and both of us at the same time see a little mouse in our house. Georgie looks at me. I look at her and she was like, Roof! and like ski skirts right to this like, area where she sees this little critter and I was like oh my god oh my god that's a mouse that's a mouse and you know she's like scurrying around she's trying to find it and like the little mouse is you know behind like this bookshelf or whatever and I'm flipping the fuck out because I'm like oh my god is there for real a mouse in our house like what is happening
0: and And you know uh, like her claws on that tile and she can so like, scrambling and her legs are going everywhere. She's doing the splits <laughs> while still trying to run. It's, it's a nightmare.
1: It's crazy. And she's just going nuts trying to get this thing. And I'm going nuts. Be like, Georgie, find it, find it. And, you know, we can't find it. And my youngest daughter, Eleanor, is sitting at the kitchen counter and she can kind of see into the dining room where we're trying to find this mouse. And she's like, you know, standing on the kitchen counter at this point. And she's like, ah, what is it? I'm like, I think it's a mouse. And she's like, oh, no. But she's also like my, you know, lover of all heartbeats. So she's like, don't kill it. I'm like, I can't even catch it. I can't kill it. If I can't catch it, it's fine. Um, So, you know, we're like looking around, looking around, can't find it. So I go about the day because it's, you know, we still got to get lunches made and get breakfast made and still get out the house, even though, you know, we're trying to find this critter and I'm making, um, you know, her breakfast. And all of a sudden she kind of darts over and looks into the dining room. She's like, I think I just saw it move. And I was like, okay, where? As, as soon as she says that, I run back into the dining room and I see it and it's running across the foyer, but I can't tell if it went like down the basement stairs or if it went like under the couch. Georgie picks up on it. She's tra- trying to, you know, figure out like where it went to. And at that point, we lose it. We're like, where did it go? Like at this point, it could be downstairs. It could be in my bedroom. It could be that we don't we just don't know. So immediately that day, bones collapse too. Like, aren't they made to collapse? Oh yeah, it's It's like they they flatten. It's like cats; like they can flatten to get in and out of things, like in a weird way. And I'm just like, oh my god, we've got a fucking mouse in the house. This is not cool. So Mm -hmm. I send Dan immediately out. I was like, go get some traps. You know, he comes back, Brittany, with like four bags of traps. I'm like, how many mice do you think we have? He's like, I don't know. We're putting one at every corner of this house till we catch this damn thing. So we now have eight traps in our house to try to get this mouse.
0: I feel like you're going to walk in and Georgie's going to be like shaking her paw, like, get this trap off of me. Yeah. <laughs> what is that?
1: No, well, it's no. kind of, it's interesting because you, um, it's like a, they, it's like a little round circle and it goes in and then like the door shuts behind them so they can't get out. So you, you leave, I guess the right best evening. way to catch um, mice is with peanut butter that's what the internet told us to do so that's what we're doing it hasn't worked yet because the mouse is still on the loose <laughs> it's I think we need to call in dog the bounty hunter and get the mouse out of here i don't know but we we gotta we gotta figure something out because every day we check the traps and there's still no mouse that's like, crazy
0: okay i don't okay. mess around with that shit no i don't, like I don't mess around i don't no. like no. mice i don't, I don't like don't cockroaches like i don't like i mean those are all things we should not like because they spread disease and necrosis. Right. So let's all get on the same board. Um, yeah. I like. Yeah. But I so hope I'll. You find I'll I know I'll keep you guys updated on my, my mouse drama. I always feel like, okay, what is this a sign that they're trying to escape to somewhere? And should I be listening to the, the animals that they're trying to get, what they're trying to get away from? Because I've been finding so many critters in my pool, like frogs and turtles that that's natural, but we found a rabbit in our pool. Not dead, still alive, just swimming, like kicking it. Like I was like, so wh- were y-? I have a feeling that didn't know how to get out, and it was yeah. a, it was a tiny one, and and it's weird to see a rabbit swim. I will say that like it looks like a weird otter, like a really small otter when it swims. <laughs> so I'm like, well, that's kind of odd, and it's just like la- like laxadaily just like pedaling, like it's at a senior citizen home, doing water aerobics. And then my dog jumps in and he's like going after this thing and he's got some speed behind him. I mean, he almost caught it and we had like no bear, no because I did not want blood and guts in my pool. But I mean, it took him probably three times for me to say his name because he kept on kind of going back like I meant to do this, like I meant to do this. Kind of like George is like I meant to get this this mouse. (laughs) So uh, I'll keep you updated on that too because that's weird. But like, why are these things coming into my house? Why?
1: You know, I, I was kind of thinking about the same thing with, um, with the mouse. And I'm like, well, if it's cold outside at night, I would want to go inside where it was warm. You know, I'm thinking this mouse is, she ain't stupid or he ain't stupid. He just is like, there's probably always some food on the floor. Cause I know how the Kesslers like to eat <laughs> and, uh, so true. it's warm in there. So I don't, I don't blame the mouse. Um, but I do have another funny story about Georgie. Uh, so we had to take her to, I'm not going to name the place that we took her to, because it's a national chain of dog boarding, but Mm -hmm. we took, she's been, she's been there before, but because she hasn't been there in a couple of years, we had to get her. They probably think they're smart,
0: but they're not very intelligent. I'll just say that. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Um, the, uh. So we had to take her back in for evaluations um, and we we I drop her off and they're like, okay, you can come back in two hours. We just need like a two hour minimum to find out, you know, how is she going to socialize with other dogs? And so we get to the, the, the place and immediately she's got like all four paws, like screeching, doesn't even want to go in the door. And I was like, you've been here before. It's okay. You like this place. And she was like, was not having it, did not want to leave my side jumped in my lap and sat in my lap the entire time I'm trying to fill out like her paperwork. And I'm like, it's very hard to do with your dog. Like, you know, smushing against your face, like, don't leave me here alone, mom. And so eventually like they take her back. I'm like, okay, you just come back in two hours. And I was like, okay, great. You know, that's awesome. So I go, I go to Starbucks and I watch the, you know, the Britney versus Spears documentary. I'm like, this is perfect time to do so. <laughs> and, um, and I get a call 40 or, like about an hour and 45 minutes later. So she's almost done with her two hours. And they're like, Mrs. Kessler, um, we're, we're having an issue with Georgie. And I was like, oh, is she okay? And she's like, mm, I just don't really know if she's feeling it. And I was like, okay. And she's like, well, she snipped at one of the kiddos. And I'm like, oh, there's kids there. And they're like, no, no, no. One of the other dogs. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, well, what happened? And she's like, there's, well, one of the dogs tried, you know, was smelling her butt and Georgie didn't like it and, and, and sniffed at the dog. And I was like, oh, did the dog ask if she could smell its butt? Like what? Did she just put in your nose in someone else's butthole and that's supposed to be okay. And he didn't find that humorous whatsoever, but I, I gave myself a chuckle and I was like, okay, well, is the dog okay? She's like, no, the dog's fine. And so they put her in a crate, you know, to, to simmer her down for about 10-15 minutes and then they let her back out and she kind of goes after the same dog again because the same dog is coming after her so they put her back in the crate so 10 minutes later the attendant comes to get her out of the crate and Georgie snaps at the attendant doesn't break skin doesn't bite but I was like oh is everything is is she okay is everything okay she's like no she's fine it's just Georgie is she's not happy here and I was like got it Got it, got it. So I had to come pick her up early. She failed her evaluation, and now she's no longer welcome back at that place. Are we shocked? I mean, no, I'm not. But the funny thing is, none of this is funny. Like, I I wish my dog would not have, you know, snapped at anybody or any dog. Like, that's not cool. But um, the fact is, when she got in that car, like... Her face was so happy to be out of there. And like she had that like closed eye, big smile, tongue out the entire way home. Like she was it was that happy, thankful smile that she was no longer there. And I was like, you know what, Georgie, you were trying to tell me before you went in, this was not your place and I wasn't listening. But that I mean, that smile did not leave her face the entire time it took us to get home.
0: I'm I was surprised she like, didn't get in the car and be like, whoa, 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 like tell you about it. <laughs> Right.
1: I mean, I was kind of pissed because I was like, damn it, Georgie. Now we've got to figure out how are we going to, you know, get
0: you out someplace. No, no, I'm not shocked, but um, she's a little temperamental. Whatever. Every dog, every, you know, we all have different paths. We do have different paths. We have a path for you today on social catch up. Um, So we're going to touch on a lot of topics. We're going to do like a little quick rundown. So a lot's been happening. I want to say a lot, like it's a lot, it's a lot. So we're going to touch on a few topics. Um, we're going to come in hot about Jesse Palmer being the new host of Bachelor. Shan's going to catch catch us up on Lewis Hamilton making some big time history in F1. And then we're going to do a deep dive on not only the R. Kelly court ruling that has rocked all of us, but also a deep dive into the Britney Spears documentary, um, Britney versus Spears, and another documentary that was released Um I'm not sure when that one's released, but um, okay, there we go. Mm -hmm. Um, Controlling Britney Spears. So um, our controlling Spears, I played, that's what it's called. There's so many. So we're going to come in hot. We're going to start it off with Jesse Palmer becoming the new host of The Bachelor. So if you're saying, Britney, I don't know who that is. Yeah, that's a lot of bachelor nation. They were, they were feeling that too. They were like, well, who's this dude? Well, let me fill you in. He's a former NFL player. Um, he is recently-ish married, and he was also on The Bachelor in 2005. Now, that was before I watched it. I think that you watched that season, Shannon.
1: That was actually the first and only time I've ever watched The Bachelor, and I never watched like a full episode, but I would catch glimpse because I was like, oh, I like Jesse Palmer. He's cute. And I'm like, I love that they have a football player, you know, on this show. Like that would be interesting enough for me to watch it. And I was like, okay, this is cool. In all honesty, it it lost me like two, two episodes in. I was like, I just can't,
0: (laughs) I'm not shocked, I'm not shocked, but that is kind of their shtick. They love to have like a, like just a enough of a NFL or a, a pro something player on, um, just, they have a little bit of elite status, but not like huge star status. So they can still maintain that, like looking for love, um and build and so they have a reason to be on the show and like kind of build up their popularity and since then he's gone over to to, gone on to host many things most recently if you're watching bachelor in paradise jesse palmer hosts these this weird surfing show which i don't don't get into like if you get into it great i tried to watch it it wasn't my thing but obviously this was like a tryout for jesse like this is a little mini odd and i guess he blew it out of the water so because he is now the new host of the bachelor
1: well, congrats to him. I mean, in all I say, I mean, he's, he's nice to look at. I think he's a good looking fella. I mean, I think yeah. he's going to do, you know, a, a good job on this show. And that we were talking off air about, you know, like what he's going to do for the demographic that watches the show. So I think it is going to be, you know, that relatable age, so to speak, that people who are tuning in, um, I think will find him to be relatable in the sense of an age bracket, but also like those people probably watched him or saw him on his generation when he was on the show. So I think it's kind of a, it's an interesting pick. Um, you know, I think he does a great job. He also does some sports commentating, um, for ESPN. So with college football and I enjoy when he's on, I think he does a a nice job with that. So I'm interested to see how he's going to transition into this role as permanent host. Is it permanent, Britt? do you know, or is it, are they trying him out?
0: Through my deep dives on it, I do. It's he's only has an agreement right now through season twenty six, which is the most recent season of of Clayton. Um, but ABC has gone on to say that this is our future plans to have him as a permanent person. But this is there's nothing in his contract, and there's not a dollar amount assigned to his contract. But right now, um, he's said to be looking at very high dollar mansions in the LA area. And, um, and that he and his wife are, are pretty much looking to lay down some major roots in LA so that can be closer to the ABC franchise. So, and he's, and he's, he's one of the ABC chosen children. Like he, he gets put into a lot of hosting gigs. I think that he's really good friends with Mike Fleiss who controls a lot of the bachelor um, franchise. So this is not a surprising one for me to see it, but I thought it was like a little bit of a low hanging fruit. I think it's smart. It's not the one that I would have picked, but whatever. Um, I do hope that it's not, he's not on the bachelorette. That's my main thing. I think that they need to maintain maybe a woman's perspective on the bachelorette. I loved last season with Katie Thurston, even though I didn't love Katie Thurston. I loved how there was two women kind of guiding her, co- not coaching her, but just kind of giving a female's perspective, because if there's like, if Jesse Palmer were to give advice to some 28 year old girl. And he's like 42, 43 at the time. I mean, it it gives off, like you said, the creepy uncle vibe.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I agree. I think a a woman should be hosting Bachelorette because that's, I mean, that's who you're trying to relate to. It's the the female perspective on dating. And I don't want a male's perspective on dating. If I'm a female, I want a female's perspective on dating.
0: (laughs) Right. And then with The Bachelor in Paradise, I've loved all this different host they've really had an eclectic bunch and it's been really fun um i hope little john still is the one who's doing all the voiceovers it's been so comforting i it took me weeks to figure out it was little john voiceover i was like oh. i mean it's it's not i mean it's crazy to hear so i hope that keeps going and um i'm just i, I think they're trying on new things and who knows we'll stick but you know cool good job jesse let's, let's let's do the best and hope that it, it works out yeah, we're excited for so him. So let's move on to Louis. What's going All on with right. Louis?
1: Louis Hamilton. Okay, so Louis had a, a history-making moment this past um, weekend um, in Russia. The The Russian Grand Prix was happening at Sochi, and uh, he definitely made history. He became the only Formula One driver to win 100 races. That so is never
0: been done before? You,
1: it's never been done before. Um, And it's likely that we won't see this again for a long, long time, given the amount of new talent that's coming in. So because it is such a competitive um, field right now with these, with these drivers, like there's a new person taking the podium almost every week. So it's switching out between like the the same top three to five people, but the number one spot isn't always the same number one. So where in years past, There was, you know, consecutively so many years where Lewis Hamilton was getting first place every time he took a race. So like that was happening and like leading him into this, you know, great position of having so many races under his belt. Um, So for him to get 100 races is just monumental because no one's ever done it before. And to know that he is a black man and a predominantly white um, racing sport is also a really cool factor because i think this is going to allow more you know men and women of color to feel like okay cool if if lewis can do it then i do have someone i can look up to he can be a mentor and he kind of and lewis has been great about opening up the door and the conversation to include more people in formula 1 more black people more people of color more women he wants it to be more inclusive and he is doing everything he can to make sure that that happens and i think having someone in that position who's such a great leader on and off the grid is just great for the sport
0: oh my gosh i see your passion and i'm i'm truly happy for him and i do agree with you i think that this is it just catapults so many more so much more interest because once you achieve an elite status then you turn heads you do yeah you turn heads and not that he already wasn't there but you know having another one and a little badge if you will a little insignia uh it, yeah it just even makes them that more likable and yes. uh, followable and clickable and <laughs> I guess drivable
1: more drivable I know he's he's adorable and honestly I mean he's great to look at so if you're like well I don't know about
0: Formula One you should I mean, most of to... the Formula One drivers I mean I don't dive deep into this but like I, I'm like I'd look at him. yeah yeah like I'd, I'd, I'd hang the calendar on the wall exactly I mean Danielle it has on done February. A, a- great job over at um
1: our push push account like she has gotten into making reels and she's done some great reels on some of our favorite drivers who happen to be super cute so if you're like why would i watch formula 1 head over to f1 push push and check out the reels you'll you'll find a reason to press play <laughs>
0: and, and that's like so favorite. like my type i don't even know how i met my husband because he's tall and blonde but like every mm-hmm. man i ever dated before landon was always like european like like italian look <laughs> with dark hair <laughs> Always had lots of facial hair. I mean facial hair. I mean, like a it's, it's just so funny. I'm like, oh yeah, that's my type. Mm-hmm. That's my type. I'll look, won't touch. <laughs> just look. <laughs>
1: oh, I love it. Well, speaking of people that didn't know how to just look and not touch, Brittany, what do we got going
0: on next? Oh, our Kelly, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna give y'all a little trigger warning on this one, and also like just the next couple of topics, um, just just a little trigger we're going to talk about some pretty deep stuff and trigger triggering stuff as um, it's abuses involved. So, I uh, just want to put that out there. So R. Kelly was found guilty early, uh, late last week of sexual exploitation, child pornography, bribery, racketeering, and sexual sex trafficking and kidnap kidnapping charges up to five victims. Um, this spans over 25 years and the 14 underlying acts of racketeering which racketeering, if you don't know, is disobedient or unlawful business dealings. And there have been 12 that have been been proven as well as 18 violations of the Mann Act, which deal with sex trafficking. So he still has two more trials that he's awaiting in two other states, one being Florida and one being um, in Cook County, which is in the state of Illinois. Um, And I didn't understand. I didn't know this until Shannon did the outline. He has an outstanding criminal charges in Minnesota as well. So and for prostitutions of a prostitution of a minor. So I guess that's adding to three.
1: Yeah. Three more so states. If we're not gonna get him in New York, which they already have convicted him of these um of these acts, then you also have charges brought against him in Illinois and in Minnesota. So like the fact that he's been crossing state lines, um, which is gearing into that sex trafficking um that that field. So anytime you transport any person with the intent to perform sexual misconduct, you're going into that sexual or sex trafficking realm. So crossing state lines is not, you don't want to do this ever, but the fact that you're crossing state lines makes it even more of a dangerous offense. And I think that he's going to, you know, I think, and I believe Brittany, you may have more intel on this, but um, he goes to court in May for sentencing. Is that correct? Okay. So it's like
0: May 28th that he's going to be sentenced for the most current New York charges. Okay. So there's a lot of time to fill in some gaps as well. So at this, at the very minimum, which is the requirement, not just the minimum, the requirement so far, he, ha- he is already locked in for 10 years. Yeah. So that's the, what he's been charged for. The requirement is 10 years in jail.
1: Now, do you know okay. if it's like per charge? So if there are 12 cases or 12 charges against him, is it 10 years per charge? No. Right it's now, cumulative. Just it's as years. the case. Okay. So yes. cumulative, it's 10 years. Okay. Yeah. So I don't see him getting out of this. I don't see him finagling any of this. I don't see this being a Bill Cosby, like some, you know, something happened in the case that made it illegal and then they threw it out. Like, I don't see any of that happening. I mean, this is a dangerous predator who for 25 plus years was creating you know, organized criminal activity that involved multiple other people. It was a whole ring operation that people were getting paid to elicit and solicit young women, young black women, and um, even some men to perform sexual activities, whether they were being lured in with concert tickets, whether they lured in with being fame, with being like, oh, you can be part of R. Kelly's inner circle. And it's like, you know, this exclusive club of people. And this was all happening in the late 1990s to, um, you know, up until now, but like heavy throughout the 2000s. So And Brittany, I remember us having this conversation off air about, you know, you hearing about this back in the day of, oh, it's just kind of like people were kind of making it a joke. Like, oh, he just likes young people or his wife's really young. I mean, he married Aaliyah back in 1994 when she was
0: 15 years old. Like, Yes. And I found, I know I found some documents. Um, So just recently, before we signed on, I was looking at, several different like documents about that, about that marriage, because that was the first time that it really hit the scene in 1994, that this was like an issue with R. Kelly, although he had already had violations in his past. This is the first time it hit hit headlines. So when the marriage license was filed, according to, I think, variety that I found this on that they put 18 on her marriage certificate. So although oh she was 15, yes. And it wasn't until her family really pushed for the annulment that they were, that um, the marriage was annulled, I think less than a year later, I think it was right you know, like 10 months later. Um, but I remember that. I mean, I, I mean, I was only like 12, but I remember, did you ever watch behind the music? Yeah. Okay. So they did one after Aaliyah passed away and um, in a plane crash in 2001 and even the way that VH1 did it, they, it was just like a side note. Like it was like, oh, and she married and then it was an old and that, you know, it was like, we didn't, we didn't talk about the fact she was 15. We didn't talk about there was a lie on the marriage certificate. No, none of her family spoke up and said this was wrong. So it just went like just swept under the rug. So I think that that was our first blunder. And then um, fast forward to, I think, 2001. I want to say this because I was like, right. I was graduating high school And I remember, and it was like my early college days that this videotape came out with R. Kelly and an underage girl. And the underage girl was 14 at the time, at the time and at the time of the video. And the only person that was able to prove this was the young girl's grandmother and aunt. And R. Kelly just went on the rampage and, and this is not me, this is not me, but he's literally in the videotape. I've never seen it. This is just- I didn't have internet access back then. <laughs> like yeah. I, had a, I had a flip phone. Um, so, but he's on the videotape saying her name several times while doing things to her. Oh, wow. So I'm not going to say what those are, but uh, you can look it up if you want. But that was the first time that he was even really put on real display. But instead of us protesting his music and saying, this is not right, we watched SNL skits about it. Like we made a joke about it. And that that's been the biggest problem for me. Um, I mean, I participated in it. I was, I don't know, eight, nineteen, twenty 19, 20 at the time. And I was like, oh, that girl, that really sucks for that girl. And press play. I still listen to ignition. I yeah. still listen to bump and grind. I was stepping to the name of love. You know, like I still listen to his music and that's like the most disheartening thing to me as as society, we just turned our heads even though we knew this was going on.
1: Yeah. I do think it speaks to, again, the sign of the times back then when when we were much more comfortable as a society just to look away if something was uncomfortable and it was like, eh, like none of us really had the tools to process any of that. None of us had the tool. Like we just didn't know what to do with that information. And instead of doing the work and finding out like, how do we, how do we handle this? We just turned a blind eye. Mm Mm-hmm. I wasn't really that big of an R. Kelly fan, and I, this is probably a hot take, but I hated the song, I Believe I Could Fly. I hated that damn song. I don't know what it was that irritated me and rubbed me the wrong way, but I was like, I cannot.
0: I cannot. It's probably the, <laughs> There <too many. laughs> it
1: was it's a lot. I was like, oh, I don't understand. I can't do it. I just can't do it. You know, and
0: I, I was an R. Kelly fan, like I just said. I, I mean, I wasn't like, you know, all the time, but I, I did enjoy when he collaborated with somebody. I thought he was a great... musician or a great artist. And I think as I've kind of gone back through the, the lineage of like how this all took place, you know, he kind of hit both worlds. Like he would talk about some real raunchy stuff. If you listen to some of his music and now I'm like, who was he talking about? Like, that's what there's my mind. I'm like, Oh my gosh, he was talking about young girls. That's what's really troubling me. But then he would talk about like loving God and gospel. So it's like, he would hit both worlds. So I think that that's why it just made everyone be like, well, he's talking about God. So how, how bad could it be? And side note, spoiler alert, it was really fucking bad. And we, t- we did not listen. We were not a good society. We, we left these girls, these girls were heavily abused. Um, one of the biggest things for me was that um, as, as Shannon wrote here, the singer would abuse victims for breaking the rules, which often included requiring permission to use the bathroom eat or make calls, calling him daddy, wearing baggy, baggy clothing that hid their figures and refraining them from, to, from looking at other men. I even um, read another article that even breaking the rules and uh, required them to um, go through several hours of sexual abuse, which meant standing in certain sexual positions for over an hours. And if you ever watching the documentaries, it's I, I couldn't get through them all. It was very troubling for me. So again, trigger warning for those, but it really highlights what these, the families were trying to get these women out of. And it was, it's, it's very dark and very troubling. So, um. but yeah, it's very,
1: yeah, so. it's, it's really disheartening what people will do in the name of money and power and manipulation. And it's just, it's heartbreaking to know that there's gotta be so much pain in, in within R. Kelly, that he feels like this is how he's going to try to control that pain that he's feeling. I mean, most people who abuse were abused themselves, right? Now th- that does not make it right. That does not justify the actions by any means. But I think if you look back in history, it shows us that abusers were abused and that's why the pattern continues. So it's it's interesting. I wonder if we'll hear his prequel to how he got here. And then if that will help identify why he chose a, the types of women and the types of men that he chose to abuse and the, the measures in which he went to abuse them.
0: Well, and you point out something really great. Like if he, if he was abused, then this is what he knows. But when you give someone who's trouble and has been abused in power and influence, and at one time he was worth over a hundred million dollars globally, you know, so that's a lot of power influence and money can manipulate a lot of people. Money can bring out a lot of dirtiness. So as we're going to point out through Britney Spears as well. So after now that you see that currently R. Kelly is worth negative $2 million and still reportedly owes over a million to the IRS. So not only that, that has, he has completely wiped out his accounts. He is worth nothing. So we're not going to see anything from him again. Um, I'm personally not going to be playing his music. I hope it gets taken out of Spotify. I would sign any petition at this moment that would get everything removed. No rights. No, <laughs> I don't want any other, um, what is it called uh, when they get re- receive money from. Royalties. Royalties. That Yeah. Well, no more royalties. I, I believe
1: um, I heard this somewhere that didn't Drake use, um, sample some of R. Kelly's stuff in his new music? Oh, I don't know. I believe that to be, um, I think that that happened. So.
0: I will comb through that. i Yeah, comb through, comb through, through and,
1: and I know you'll you'll be a, you'll be good at deep diving on that kind of stuff. Um, but even like going that far, where it's on soundtracks, like the Space Jam soundtrack. I mean, that was littered throughout, you know, our two thousands, late nineties two thousands. You know, culture. It's just the the web is is deep. You know, like it, it reaches. It has a lot of fingers. It reaches deep. And to kind of go back to that point of at some point, if you were worth a hundred million dollars. Money is no longer what makes you feel powerful. So you have to exert, like, how am I going to keep climbing that power adrenaline rush? And that's where I think the abuse kind of stems from. Where it's like, well, I I don't have to worry about money. I got so much money. It doesn't matter. That's never mm-hmm. going to be a problem. And then it's like, well, I still need to feel like I have control over something and and power over something. How do I establish my dominance in in my field? I will take over people because people are more powerful than money when I can control them.
0: People are commodities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's he. I think that now that we're seeing this too, um, in relation to these stories, and off, offline we talked about just these are a lot about not listening to people's voices and not listening when we needed to listen. And I think that this is the biggest takeaway from us as a society. I think that we're beginning to listen away way more. We might have polarizing views, but at least a lot of the things are like, oh, we we need to listen more, guys. We need, whoa, we're we're missing the mark. Don't let that happen again. And so everyone, and also the investigative sleuths on the internet, I have never seen something so enthralled. The amount of like between TikTok, Instagram stories, and just reels and all the stuff that people put out, they're looking at everything. So hats off to those sleuths. I kind of want to (laughs) be (laughs) one. Kind of we are, I guess we kind of are.
1: I mean, sometimes we don't usually go like in depth and deep and, you know, have charts, but, you know, give us the right subject and we might.
0: We might. I guess, yeah. Give it yeah. To me. I know. Well, we're well, gonna take a, that, a yeah. Let's just hope that um moving forward, that's what I would like to see uh all music be really uh removed. Um if people are sampling his music, let's call it out and maybe try to re-release that in a different way. I say that, that that's my push that I would sign any anything you need to do, I'm behind that. So that's just my
1: my take, my hot take. I love it. Well we are we're sending all kinds of well wishes to to people who this is giving a larger voice to and giving them the power and the ability to say enough is enough and we're going to make this better for people going forward.
0: Right. All right. Cool. We're going to take a,
1: a quick break and we're going to okay. come right back and we're going to talk about Britney Spears.
0: Did you know that over 155 million people downloaded podcasts last year?
1: And that means Crazy Zen Life was in that mix, doesn't it? Sure does. I love
0: being a part of that group. But that means you can be on our crew too.
1: That's right. This is a great place to advertise for your business. So if you feel like we are the right fit for your crew, we want to help you out.
0: With over 160 episodes already in our bank, we have a great audience and we have great influence.
1: People love to press play on CCL and that means it'd be a great opportunity to get your business out there.
0: You can reach out to us on our social media at Life or email us at at crazyzen.com. Hope to hear from you soon. So we're going to take you down two tunnels. One's going to be a little a little longer than the other. So in the Britney versus Spears documentary that was released uh, on Tuesday night, whatever you watched it, Tuesday-ish, um, we're going to kind of break that down as it goes through um, the rise and fall of her conservatorship. And really this documentary takes you through what the conservatorship was for her um, and kind of what it is. It goes into what she really went through, um, and how it kind of just started manifesting as something that was basically out of control. And then we touch on, um, controlling Britney Spears, which is another documentary about, um, the conservatorship, but also what she was going through. Um, and a former executive assistant from black box security, Alex, I don't know how I'm not
1: sure how to say that last thing either. Yeah.
0: Um, and his accounts of what he was asked to do while employed under TriStar. All right. So do you want to walk us through? Cause uh, Shannon actually outlined something so beautiful and I want her (laughs) to just take all the credit. I was like, okay, yeah, you, you took all the notes. I don't need to add anything to it. I am just here for opinions, direction, and uh, as a witness.
1: Well, um, OK, great. Well, first, I want to mention that the Britney versus Spears documentary was directed and produced by Aaron Carr, who is a super fan and a film director. And then Jenny Ellescue, um, who is a she's a journalist and she was a former Rolling Stone journalist who became friends with Britney um, over her course of writing. About Britney for 10 years so they've they've had a great relationship and she becomes kind of an integral part of this story a little bit later down the road Um, but they did a really great job of seeing things for like from a fan perspective but also being able to like zoom out and be like okay none of us really knew what a conservatorship was prior to this becoming nationwide news um, thanks to Britney Spears but it's definitely opened up a lot of eyes and made people become their own investigative journalists if you will to be like wait a minute, something's not right here. And Erin kind of saw that and was like, we can do better. We can, let's let's put our, you know, our goggles on and, and, and do this. And during her investigation, she received an anonymous email that was um, from someone who actually worked on the conservatorship. So that person was a part of the legal team and said, I'm going to give you court sealed documents that have never been seen before because this needs to come out that what they're doing in this conservatorship is illegal and it's not right and the story needs to be told and from there Aaron is like got it so she kind of she knew what angle she wanted to take she got the intel and she was like let's go and that's That's where we are. That's how the the film got to be. I will Um, say that
0: this was, wasn't this done so beautifully? Like I really enjoyed watching this documentary because it was almost like them having a conversation, like just friends and, but it was so heavily crafted um, how they painted a picture from beginning to almost where we are now um, that it's just how deep it was, but I really enjoyed how they did it. I really, really, I thought it was great of just the paperwork, the paper trail, adding validity to everything they were saying. And, and they backed up everything they said. And they, they also did. said like, we c- if they couldn't quite prove it, they also said it like, well, yeah. you know, this hasn't been proven. And so I, I really love that because, you know, people ask for receipts and I love a fact check.
1: I do too. And we also, we're going to include um, a very detailed timeline that goes from 2007 um, to current 2021, um, up until August of 2021. um, We're going to, and it kind of gives you like a debrief of what happened each year so that you can kind of look and see, because we're going to go through some of the timelines here. But if you want like a detailed account of like, when did this happen? If you just need it black and white on paper, I get that. I'm one of those people too. I have it printed out right here in front of me while we're going to have this conversation, but we do have that linked in the show notes if you want to follow along at home. So what this documentary did for us is it gave us people that we, key players in the story that we have yet to hear from. So we're going to hear from Adnan Galab, which is the paparazzi that became a more of a a friend and sometimes I think a boyfriend to Britney Spears. Sam Lutfi, who has been a source of controversy from day one, well, since 2008 with Britney. Um, Felicia Coletta, which is her longtime friend from Louisiana who turned assistant slash like um, chaperone at times. Um, we're going to, yeah, Tanya Barron, um, who was a backup dancer. We're going to hear from Adam Streisand, who was an attorney who tried to represent Britney at a certain point. I believe he was also Kevin Federline's attorney at some point too. Um, Mark Vincent Kaplan, who is um, Kevin Federline's current attorney. And then Britney's former business manager, Howard Grossman, a private investigator, John Narisman who Britney team hired during the her divorce proceedings from Federline Dr James Edward Spar a geriatric psychiatrist who wouldn't confirm in the documentary or deny evaluating the singer that was a very interesting pivotal very point minutes when mm-hmm. we'll get there um and then the conservatorship attorney Tony Shikatel Sh- 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 I don't know who that is Chicago. Laura Lee, um cracker who was Lynn Spears co-author of Through the Storm just another piece stuff. of something um and then the uh I, the breatheheavy.com founder i don't know what he what Jordan Miller did um, and then Andrew Gallery the cinematographer on Britney's 2008 Britney Spears for the record documentary that they did for MTV so there's a lot of people here that just have not had a chance to tell their story and i think what Aaron does in this documentary is, is, again, paints that picture of like, let's just have a conversation with these people. And it's really interesting how none of them felt attacked the way that sometimes you see people feel really defensive in a documentary, feeling like they have to like defend like their position and whatnot. Everybody seemed very relaxed and very comfortable to share I'm not even going to say tell a story. I felt like it was more sharing what they could do to help Brittany. That's how I kind of like that lens that you were trying to, you know, paint a minute ago about how this was um, filmed, but I loved it. So yeah, just a quick recap in 2007 is kind of when a lot of things start. So um, Brittany is being bombarded with paparazzis and she takes to um, Adnan the paparazzi as I like him. He's helpful. He's always courteous when he's around. And when you see this in the documentary, you're just like, she can't get in her car and drive without there being, you know,
0: 10 pump gas, 20s and
1: 30s paparazzis with their cameras, like inside her car window. Like there's no way she could press the gas pedal without you know, running over people. So at some point, like you do feel like a cage animal, like everyone just wants your picture, but you're not even allowed to live your life because you can't move. Like you you literally cannot move forward because people are in your way. Um. So Adnan becomes just kind of like a, a confidant that she can confide into. And then I think it kind of transitioned into like a boyfriend relationship. Like he starts to, you know, move in with her. Like, again, he doesn't go into the specifics of their relationship, but what you gather from him is, she could trust no one. And she was adamant, like, I can't trust my dad. I can't trust my mom. I can't trust my sister. Like, I trust no one. And so he became a figure in her life that she felt like she could trust. And, like, I think that's where this false sense of security comes from, from Brittany, because she just had nobody. Not anybody on her team
0: felt like, Brittany
1: felt like she was, like, they were in her corner for the right reasons. Um, To reach
0: out to a paparazzi, because that's the closest relationship that she felt when this guy pumped her gas, she found out she's like, Oh, he's actually might be caring Mm -hmm. because that's how her brain works. And then reached out to him the next day and brought her on basically his, her team. But yeah, we don't quite know. And I I respected him not going into detail about what the relationship was. It was only about what could be beneficial to Brittany. And I, and I, I thought there was so much respect there um, as well as when, it goes into other like Sam Lutfi. I thought and and other people that were basically placed by Brittany, but you see that there's a lot more respect. I don't think they were protecting themselves. I think they were protecting her.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's yeah, I I agree with that. Um, we're gonna move along to um the fall of 2007, and that enters Sam Lutfi. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this is another person that's controversial in her story. And when this is the first time I've ever seen him in an interview, Brittany, have you seen him in anything prior? I haven't either. I haven't heard Uh, his
0: voice in an interview either.
1: He looked different than when I, I guess the picture I had of him,
0: I don't know. He just like always had a hat on though. And you know, late early two thousands and early, you know, 2010. So, I mean, we, we don't know what's under that. Maybe he's been bald for a while, but I was just very shocked. I, yeah, his appearance, I was like, Oh, that that's him. Because I'd never seen him for like 20 years.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but it was interesting because it, he's been like the epicenter of so many controversial things in Britney's story. But for him to say like, okay, well, what was your relationship with Britney? Immediately, he's like, I was her former manager. Okay. And then um, Brittany puts on a court document um, at some point that Sam was a quote-unquote friend sometimes and that he would get groceries. So it's like what, what the hell did Sam do? And how did Sam get into the picture? Um, so it's really hard to tell like who Sam worked for and what his role was, because he's not really being forthcoming about what he did either. It's like almost, he was there to be a protector, like could kind of be like security or a bodyguard at some points, but also kind of slipped into that role as manager because Brittany had fired her current manager, Larry Rudolph in 2007. So Sam Luffy kind of I guess convinced
0: her that this is the right role that he should be in. Um, He was a club promoter too at the time. And I think that, you know, that was to her like good enough, maybe like, Oh, you, you have my back. I can listen to you come on my team.
1: And I did find that he did, he had some workings. I don't know if it was a working relationship or if it was a managerial position as well, but with Amanda Bynes, and we all know that she's a little bit on the, like some shits happened to that girl too. And then Courtney love. So people who've not had the most stable images in public, he seems to be involved with. Um, I don't know if that's a trend or if they get that way after Sam. I don't really know. I'm not sure. Um, But it's just interesting to point out like the company that he keeps. Um, So in 2008, this is when we get that infamous scene of um, Brittany locking herself into her bathroom closet with her children because she does not want to give her kids back to Kevin Federline's bodyguard. Um, And we don't really find out why. We just know that she just doesn't want to do that. And then the police are called. The fire um, trucks are coming to her house in L.A. Ambulances are being called. And then a swarm of paparazzi are there as well. So eventually, Brittany does release her children to Kevin's um, bodyguards. And then she is taken to Mount Sinai um, Medical Center in L.A., And it is like a swarm of paparazzi who are, you know, going to that, um, the hospital, like they end up having to rope off the entire entrance of the hospital with police tape saying, you cannot come on here. This is private property, like no paparazzi behind this point type deal. And then that's when we are seeing Jamie Spears show back up. We're seeing his attorney. And then we're entering a very key player into all of this that we know very little about, but Lou Taylor, who... Is the CEO of TriStar um, Sports and Entertainment, so she's coming into the picture, and we're seeing her kind of the first time in 2008 at this, you know, monumental point in Britney's downfall. Um, so what we've known about a couple of these people is that Jamie Spears has been out of the picture for a while, in the sense of he's. He's kind of, nobody wants to talk to him. Nobody does any business with him. Nobody even wants to say his name, you know, up to this point because he's not a good person. He's very intimidating. He seems to have a drinking problem. He's not good with money. He's just not a force that anybody feels comfortable around. So he's like,
0: not a good guy. Like they kick the can when they want to deal with him. No one wants to deal with him. Um, Can I go back to a fact that I got wrong? Um, I just looked it up because I didn't want to put out false information. Um, Sam Ludfee and Britney Spears met at a club. He was not a club promoter. He was a gas consultant, um, in 2007 when they met. And since then his, um, his wealth has, uh, increased up to 20 million. He's worth 20 million up today. Hmm. Just food for oh, thought. Okay. Thank, I'm sorry. Thank you, ma'am. Go no, back. I'm
1: okay. um, thank you. I for just want to make sure that I hit minute. that. I
0: hit that note. Cause I was like, I want to put out some false information. No, that's okay.
1: So this is kind of enters like the, the really like murky water of what's going to happen to Brittany going forward because she's on her downfall. She's been, you know, just having a hard time. And the, the media is not helping. Like they're really painting her picture and like just magnifying her, you know, her meltdowns and her breakdowns and her, her dad comes in and he's like, enough is enough. Like I'm not taking any more shit from anybody. And then it is decided that let's put Brittany into a conservatorship. And Lou Taylor is an interesting character in all of this because she then is appointed as Brittany's business manager. Brittany did not hire her to do that. This was placed um, by her father and her her father's attorney as Brittany's business manager. Um, but she is one who Felicia on camera is like, I will not, not touch that her. one. She will chew me up and spit me out. So, well,
0: she releases a very, I would say religious or slightly self-righteous, um, Statement by the Spears family on the Today Show right after the um the incident where she where uh, Brittany Spears wouldn't let her children out of the uh the room, and I thought that was very troubling. If you didn't think that this woman was had other motives while watching this, then I don't know what your problem is. It was it was very interesting, and we all were like, "Yeah, this is great. Yeah, she's a good girl. Yeah, she's good. She's good. Bring her on the Britney Spears team." So she was also definitely benefiting from all of this um, this situation. Yeah, she was. She
1: actually, um, she put out a statement. Uh, the TriStar Entertainment attorney sent a legal letter to the Britney versus Spears producers denying Taylor's advocacy for the conservatorship, but admitting she may have been party to the conversations about the arrangement. That means you were in the room bitch. That means you know what the fuck was going on. Like you might not have stepped up and said this is a bad idea, but you obviously didn't say, "No, we can't be doing this either." So, you need to sit down, Lou, cuz I no longer want to hear from you. Actually, yeah. I I do want to hear from you. I want to I want you to be in court and for Matt Rosenberg to be like, "Listen here, bitch. Like we're going to take you down."
0: Yeah. Your silence is deafening. We yeah. we we hear all um,
1: of you. Yeah. So, at some point in 2008, um Well, okay. So, they want to put Britney in a conservatorship and people are trying to blame Sam Luffy as the downfall of Britney saying, and, and claim, I'm allegedly giving quotes here that he is crushing up drugs and putting it in her food and her drinks and she's drugged all the time. And um, so these are things that we have heard from previous documentaries and previous accounts that Sam Luffy has been manipulating Britney along the way. And and
0: Lynn Spears actually formally charged him
1: Yes, um, in and 2008. I think- there was a restraining order put against him, I believe in 2008 um, at some, and I don't know who I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't have that, the direct. I it, no,
0: I think it was. Then Spears filed a, a restraining order. order. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, so at that point, the conservatorship gets drawn up and there's supposed to be a, a five day notice that once the conservatorship goes into play, you have the person who's going to be under the conservatorship. gets five days to, um, to petition it. Well, they waived that because they thought that, and this is i'm I'm using allegedly quotes here, that Sam was such an endangerment to Brittany that they they were fearful that if she was given the five day notice that he would convince her that this is not a good idea and that it would take longer for them to get control of Brittany and her finances. So that gets waived in court, and they are allowed to proceed um with the conservatorship after it's been signed. So immediately, immediately, yeah.
0: And so if that- we don't think that that's a problem, like that's where the court system and the legal system have really failed Britney Spears. I just I mean, numerous times along the line, but like this is one of the points like, no, we're going to waive that because of hearsay. Yeah. No one had verification that she was being drugged. Sam Luffy went on on record, say like she had so many drug tests at this time, especially since she was hospitalized and she was deemed as a threat to herself, I guess. He's like, she was getting drug tested all the time. Won't, don't you think? She's like and, and he also pointed out, he goes, if I was doing all these bad things, why not go to the police? Why are you going to TMZ? No one went to the police. I mean, I guess Lynn Spears had a restraining order against just her, but not. he's like, if I was doing all these bad things, he's like, I. and so, I mean, he does point out. I don't know if he's a good person or not, but he does make those points. And I'm like, I mean, those are clear. You know, I don't know. points. I, I agree with
1: all. I, I mean, I get I. I also am concerned on why, you know, well, I think I, I, I think we'll get to this answer in a minute. But with the amount of um, security and the amount of or the lack of independence Brittany had, the lack of privacy Brittany had, I don't think she really had the opportunity to really get any of this done. I just, I think that she was under watching key um, or locking key for so long and under someone else's watch for so long that she didn't have any, like she wasn't, it wasn't available access for her to get help. Like, I do think that that was a very concerning portion that we learned um, within this, but in, let's see, in two, well, okay. Through this conservatorship. The the document
0: gets signed. Yeah.
1: So it gets signed. And in this, state, it's stating that, you know, she is not of sound mind and body to, uh, to make her own decisions, to control her finances, to um, to even get her own legal counsel. So that is all in the conservatorship. So she is not even allowed to petition for her own attorney at this point. One will be appointed to her. And she is appointed Sam Ingham. And that name will become synonymous with this conservatorship from here on out going forward. Um, Can I make one point about yes, um,
0: Ad- Adnan Ghalib? I might be butchering his name. Um, the photographer mm-hmm. friend turned bodyguard when he has to deliver and during the documentary, when he has to deliver her to like, basically her father, like, cause they were, they had been out. I forget exactly what the, what they were doing, but she receives a text message. Um, Adnan receives a call. You have to get her home. I'm i I'm her conservative now. And when she finds that out that she didn't have those five days and she loses it at the car in the car and she, basically he has to drive her to her house and give her up. It was a very like strong moment in the documentary. I hope I just want to make that note that it's a, I think paid extra special attention to that because she really had no idea what was going on. Yeah. She had no control and everything was being basically pulled out from under her in that very moment.
1: And there's a point where when the conservatorship gets signed, it is no longer Britney Spears. It is Jamie Spears is Britney Spears. Like she has- Because
0: he's conservator of person.
1: Of person, exactly. So there is no more Britney. It is a puppet situation and it is Jamie controlling everything.
0: And he makes that clear on the phone call to Adnan. like He said, because in the conservator documents, it's conservator over estate, person, and finances, I believe. Mm -hmm. Or estate is finances. I think there's just two, estate and person. And he has both.
1: He has both. So nothing will get made without Jamie's approval.
0: I wish they also stated this is very rare for someone to have conservatorship, a family member to have conservatorship over a state and person.
1: Exactly. And they're not recommended. yeah, there's a, the lawyer, Adam Streisand, who we mentioned before, um, is who Adnan tries to get Brittany in touch with to help of like, okay, listen, if we can get you in touch with him, I think we might be able to get you some, some like, let's just try to get you in there with Adam so that you can have a different point of view from a legal standpoint. Um, and Adam points out, he's like an independent professional should be the conservator because family relationships are always complex. So it's very rare that, you um, that you would have a family member be in charge of this. And he's like, you know, I've done uh, multiple conservatorships and I've never once had this happen. And I've never once had a conservatorship who somebody had a job because these are for people who cannot make decisions about themselves because they are not mentally able to make those decisions. Brittany was recording albums. She was going on tour. She was doing residency. She was doing performances. So it's not like, I mean, she was creating her own choreography, teaching her dancers, doing all of these things while she was under this conservatorship. So it's not even like this was a a normal conservatorship by any means. I mean, it was definitely a ploy. And they even write it out in the beginning that this conservatorship is a hybrid business model, which they've never seen before in court. So this is what makes this extra difficult because they have written this into law as a way to make money for other people. Which is Which, again, yeah. I it's still don't know her. how the fuck that's allowed to happen, but holy the legal shit.
0: system has failed her.
1: It has. It's failed her much. Um I can I have to wrap this up.
0: Um oh, yeah. so- uh, well, <laughs> really quickly. So Ad um, that is one point that Adnan makes. He said, Well, if if she is of not of sound mind, how come I watched her basically choreograph everything on a, on a Starbucks napkin and, and write the entire circus album and, no, and blackout. Nap- she wrote blackout on a napkin. blackout on it. Yeah. And then she's getting everything down to the costumes and everything. He goes, if, if that is so, how is she not of sound mind and why is she so, so much claimed to have a uh, dementia? So.
1: so there's a point in 2009 where Jenny, who we talked about before she was the former um, Rolling Stones uh, journalist who became friends with Britney tries to sneak in to help britney sign a document that is britney's request to get new counsel for herself in this conservatorship so she meets britney in the bathroom of a hotel where there's not supposed to be anybody else um there's nobody else on the floor she knows she's jenny is hiding in a stall she knows britney's coming into the stall because she can see the tattoos on her ankle and she slides the paper underneath britney signs the paper slides it back Jenny is, it's really kind of an emotional story to watch because when you watch, you can tell that Jenny has Brittany's best interest at heart and she's doing everything she can to get Brittany out of the situation. But it all falls flat because... They get wind of, or her her team, I guess, gets wind that this contract exists and they deny it in court as that is not Britney's signature. So it's it becomes null and void. They're not allowed to use this in court. And that is heartbreaking because that was 2009. So that was only a year after that the conservatorship was signed. So like they were so close in 2009 to making this like, we're so close. You, know, you know, to getting it to be something that, it's, that it wasn't currently today. So I, you know, my heart really went out to Jenny when, you know, when they played that part. I was like, oh god, she tried so hard.
0: So, Shannon, where are we going now?
1: Now we're going into 2012, and what happened in 2012? The circus tour. Well, the circus tour was nine months, seventy shows, and absolute global domination from our girl.
0: Reading that, I'm like tired from reading that. Nine months, seventy shows in nine months globally yeah. that's a lot of
1: traveling Mm-mm. Mm-mm. that's a lot when already I mean, when you're like feeling like you're in prison and you feel like the world is just not an open door for you but you've got
0: to travel all over the world with people you don't want to be with and do you guys remember the circus album i was just scrolling all eyes something. on me in the ring this like a circus yeah. <laughs> We should do a better job of prompting womanize, woman, woman, womanizer. That was a great song.
1: Love that song. So many good hits off that album. I mean, she really did a, a bang up job with that, with that tour and with that album. But according to the dancers and some staffers and pretty much all the people on the tour, they said that this was a terrible time for Britney. It was awful on her mental health. She was depressed all the time, but she also was doing the most work. I mean, she hired the dancer. She was doing the choreography. She was making sure everybody was on point. I mean, she was in charge of all of it. And she was saying, you know, like I could do, I wasn't good. I was great. Bitch, yes, you would. were.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is so true. So, so true. Um, you're feeling but- it and you're in that moment, yes, you are. Yeah, I mean, she was probably in her Mecca, but it just goes to show you when you're pushed to your absolute limit where you feel like you still have to show up because she knew these people, if, if she didn't show up, the payroll would suffer and she's not going to ever do that to her dancers or anybody that that is in on her crew. Right. And there
1: were, there were reports that she only wanted three things during this time and she wanted more time with her kids. She wanted to know when will this conservatorship end? And when is my dad going to give me more privileges? So it was like she was on a hamster wheel chasing a carrot that she could never get to because they were like, keep going, keep doing what you're asking to do. And those things will come to you. But she kept going and she kept doing all these things and it never came to her. So, I mean, at that point, she was just tapped out, like mentally, physically. It's a lot for, you know, someone who doesn't feel like they have any control over the life to keep doing that over and over
0: and over again. And according to some of the sources that she didn't want to do this tour. She really didn't. She, she didn't think that she was ready. Um, and it just goes to show you that she, she had to press play for this too, because they threatened to sue her, her own production company threatened to sue her, which was her father, Jamie. Right. If she didn't follow through. So, (laughs) but yet they were controlling all the money. They were controlling her. So she was just like a dance monkey. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. She was in a circus. Yes. You know,
1: now we can see between the lines. Now it's all really clear. Like we know exactly what she was talking about in these lyrics.
0: Um, Here's and- a, a, this part in the where, where she went into the X factor, where she was one of the judges. So this was very interesting. Did you find this interesting? I did. So that happened in 2012. And this is when she started dating
1: Jason Trawick, who eventually becomes her fiance. And he is the one who negotiated the deal for her to be on X Factor at the small sum of
0: $15 million.
1: I was like, damn, get it, girl.
0: But see, the conservatorship hesitated against that. They paused, but still said, we'll go through with it only if Jason was present the entire time. Yes. So it makes you think, was he a calculated member? Was he a pawn? Was he a bishop? I don't know. I think we're going to come back to that at the
1: when we start discussing the documentary of controlling Britney Spears, because it's going to answer a couple questions that we've had along the way. So stay tuned. We're going to get there. But at the time that Britney does accept the position on X Factor, Jamie Spears also had some uh, stipulations on if she takes this role, she needs to increase her meds. And she went from, and there were people who were working with her on the show that were like, we had to take multiple breaks at a point in time because she would be so slumped over, like just completely glazed over that she had no idea what was going on and that she couldn't even deliver her line. She couldn't participate and be a part of an active member of the show. I mean, she was just zoinked out of it um, and that was because her dad made her increase her meds to be a part of the show which they didn't really touch in the document on why that was so I was interested to find out I'd be interested to find out like why he felt the need to control her medication to the point of her not being completely like lucid I don't.
0: yeah lucid do you think so you have a question about did she why he was controlling it from the beginning or why he was controlling it when she's on X factor
1: for, well, for that particular show, like, because it didn't, it, the accounts don't seem to say that this happened over like a time span. It was during the show. Right. So like why, why I'm just curious why he thought that this was a, a good idea to increase her meds on X factor.
0: Well, i do remember this one part in the show because there was so much information so it's a lot to ingest but when our digest um when they were talking about the particular meds on the show it was more like it was it was a reward Mm, i don't remember that part that's the way that they kind of painted it like but then she like she had meds that she liked not like I, i think it made her more like Herself, that she felt like her maybe her anxiety was lessened, maybe her depression was lessened, and she had meds that she liked. But he said, "I'll give you those if you take these as well." That's the way that it was painted on the, or how it was explained on the show, on the documentary. Okay. So, um, like he he made a, basically a deal, like I'll give her the meds that she likes in turn for the ones that will keep her moving on the show,
1: because he increased her stimulants on the show. So I wonder what the other drugs were that she was like, what the give and take was on that. Yeah. This is all so interesting. Um, But during the course of 2012, Jason becomes Brittany's fiance. And at that time he is added as a co-conservator on the conservatorship. Um, and after Jamie put in a request earlier this month, Brittany's fiance, Jason, was officially added as a co-conservator. The pair have been dating since 2009, and Trowick could now control Brittany's decisions on everything from food and clothing to medical care, but not her assets. This is a quote. Mm-hmm. This is a very unusual situation because generally you don't see conservatories get married, attorney Jeff S. Cohen, who wasn't involved in the case, told People.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I hope more comes out about this, Jason fiance, although very attractive. I do want to know more about what was the, uh, the back door, maybe the underbelly of this deal, because that's kind of sticky. I mean, and maybe, and maybe it just all made sense to her at the time, but I wonder if she had any say at all with that. Or maybe I have the feeling that she's kind of the person that she's so in love that she's like, oh my gosh, I love you. She's just so starved for love that she's probably does say a lot like just, yeah, fine, you take it over. I don't care. Like as long as I have some kind of say.
1: Well, I kind of imagine that if you're going to live in a cohabiting relationship with your fiance that you have plans to make your husband, at some point you guys as a unit need to make these decisions together, right? So I think that by giving Jason the co-conservator Title that becomes her way of getting closer to her, accessing her financials, and getting access to her money. So it's a very interesting play. But then we learn later in the docu- in the controlling Britney, documenting um, that all relationships, boyfriends, anything, had to go through Jamie Spears. They had to sign NDAs. They had to sign contracts. There was a lot of things going on in the like backdoor dealings of who Britney was allowed to have as a relationship. So then it just makes you kind of question, "Hmm, was Jason planted from the beginning or was this like an organic reach or like at what point did this just peter out for, I mean, did he just decide like Jason was like, I got to wash my hands of this. I can't do this anymore. This just becomes too much. I mean, at some point you feel like you're getting in a relationship with Britney Spears, but were you brought on by a team or were you sought out by her? And then the team had to investigate and kind of like, you know, mold you into what they needed. I don't know. I mean, these are all questions that I had while watching this. I was like, wow.
0: Okay. And hopefully like she does, she comes out sometime um, and puts and sets the record straight on what she wants to, what, what she wants to talk about, you know, what she wants to say. And um, part of the things that, and too, like there was another gentleman that came into her life after Jason it was a photographer friend. Um, not sure their relationship. It seemed very loving. I forget his name. Yeah, hold on, I'll find that for you. He was the um
1: he was the guy that was hired from the um Britney Spears um from the documentary uh from NTV. That's how he got to the yes. To the
0: hold on. But then he became like almost like a trusted confidant.
1: Yes, his name was Andrew Gallery. He was a cinema photographer. And that was 2008 um, that he met Britney um, on the For the Record documentary for MTV. And he had a lot to say, too. Like he had that letter that was handwritten by Britney Spears that she asked him to read on TV. It never made it to tv i mean he was smart enough that he made a he took a a picture picture of it yeah um and that's how he still has a record of it because that letter became confiscated by Brittany's team and he hasn't seen it since so you know
0: yeah he seemed again like i thought that was very um and what he says about her relationship with him i mean it doesn't go into detail was very respectful whether it was romantic or not doesn't that's none of our business but what he does say is that she's a very endearing person. Like he felt like it was very natural. She's very sweet. She's very caring. She's so I loved how, again, he was so respectful of her and just guarding her and telling exactly what the people need to know about her getting her life back. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about what he encountered or what, so he, every person I felt like along the way, like took their ego out of it and really put Britney Spears um, like best interest at heart. And he is one of them. Agreed. I really liked him. Yeah, me too. And, and I love, I remember them asking like, how did you have the foresight to take a picture? And he's like, I wouldn't call it foresight. He's like, I just, I just, I don't know. He's like, I just felt like I had something I had to do. And I was like, well, that's kind of foresight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so we continue on. So Jason and her do split up. Mm-hmm. Um, that is all that's said. Yeah, you don't know if he's pushed out or not. And I
1: never really took a deep dive into him. I mean, I probably will once we wrap this up, just to be like, now that I know more key players and what they did in this, I now I'm a little bit more invested and interested to be like, and what do we know about him? Where did he go? Where what are happened? you now? Where are you now? <laughs> right. Why didn't you talk to these people in the documentary? What are you trying to hide? What
0: did your lawyer say? No, you can't be on that show. <laughs> right, right. For sure. I have questions. <laughs> but you know, Britney Spears goes on to still make a lot of money. Um, she's still putting out albums. Um, she's, or she's still in, uh, Vegas perform. No, she's performing in Vegas in 2013 to 2018. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was actually at one of those shows Were you, yes, I (gasps) saw Britney Spears in Vegas. It was, it was interesting. Um, and I'll tell you why, um, now what it was interesting to to hear like the backstory of a lot of things that went on because I was like the show wasn't the greatest. I saw her towards the middle part, it was like 2013, 2014. And um she did little to no choreography the whole time. Um she seemed very out of it. Mm-hmm. Even like a lot of people that were with me, I wasn't I think I was with like 10 other couples and they were kind of like some up with her. Um but she did go on a lot of rants. Her mic was her voice. Like she, she would like, there are certain parts where she just cut the music. She's like, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it. And then she would start talking and she she would go on for like, you know, five, six minutes. Well, Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. She would go to the audience. She would pull people on stage. Um, I think it was just really interesting looking back on it. I was like, she just wanted that kind of interaction and she did want that kind of voice. Um, But she did Little to no choreography. She did not a lot of dancing. Um, She changed outfits a lot, which I thought that was really cool. But she did a ton of interacting with her dancers. That was really neat. Um, You could tell that she had a great relationship with everyone on stage. So that's just my takes.
1: My takes. Yeah. Well, they mentioned that between 2013 and 2000, I think 17. There's really not a lot of information on Britney because she was doing her residency in Vegas and there there was just such a lockdown of people allowed to have access to her. So they were saying that really the only things that if people were recording it with their phones, that's how they have evidence of her talking to the crowd. Like there's really not a lot of footage that has been released of her actually doing obviously no interviews. I mean, very little communication with the outside world. Um, But, you know, there were times where she did address the crowd and there was one point where she was like, okay, so I have this conservatorship. I've been under conservatorship for three years and I felt like the decisions were made for me. So I wanted Glory to be my baby and I've been really strategic about it. But that quote was cut from a show that she was in and it was never aired. So it's like, hmm, that's mm. interesting. So again, I think, I think she was like, this is my only lifeline. Like I, I got to feed the people something so that they like breadcrumbs. So it's
0: like, it's pretty okay. I'm not okay. Yeah. And she's doesn't have an iPhone. She doesn't have any kind of access Every And we'll get to that in a minute. So, and what you have written down here, she made over 34 million and was close to 6 million. And hold on from 2017 to 2018, Britney Spears made 34 million and was close to 60 million. Her father, Jamie made 2 million during Mm -hmm. that time and had a 6,000 a month, 16,000 allowance per month.
1: Right, and he allowed Britney Spears eight thousand a month in an allowance. So your net worth is close to sixty million dollars, and you're allowed
0: to spend eight thousand dollars a month. I'm going to go on a limb here. Of mm-hmm. that eight thousand, I bet she had to pay bills out of it. Like you need to pay this. This is what you need. I, I, I'm going to go on a limb and say that. Because if mean? if because she's like having to do like things like oh, I want sushi one day. And like, oh, you had sushi the other day. I You can't afford it. Like if that kind of stuff is being said to her, I wonder what this $8,000 a month went towards.
1: I would like to see the receipts. Mm-hmm. I would really like to see how this money is being spent because it's not on new clothes. No, we know that. We've seen her in her Instagram. She's still wearing the same clothes from 1997. And very, I mean, I, I'm just curious what is that eight grand going to? Um, But considering that Jamie Spears lives in an RV outside of a warehouse, I'm really concerned on what you're doing with $16,000 a month, Mr. Spears.
0: If he owns a vacuum store anywhere, I need to see the books. (laughs) You guys know anything about me? I think vacuum stores are always a racket. Like, why would you go to a vacuum store? I just don't understand it. And there's so many vacuum stores. I'm like, why? Why do people need to go to vacuum stores? Trust me. It's a racket. It's a front.
1: It is a front. <laughs> so um, moving right along. So after 2018, um, it is decided for Brittany that she's going to be doing another stint um, in Vegas for the Domination Tour. Is that what that is called? Hold on. Or Femme Fatale. Femme Fatale. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, or maybe it was Domination.
1: It says, okay, I'm just going to read this from the timeline of uh, on January 4th, 2019, the performer announces a work hiatus, quote, I don't even know where to start with this because this is too tough for me to say. I will not be performing my new show, Domination, Brittany posted on Twitter. However, it's important to always put your family first. That's why the decision I had to make. A couple of months ago, my father was hospitalized and almost died. We're all so grateful that he came out alive, but he still has a long road ahead of him, end quote. Following this announcement, attorney Andrew Wallet also resigned getting out of the co-conservatorship.
0: 100% she didn't write that.
1: No, she did not. Because I don't think she's,
0: she ain't going to be that nice with her dad in the hospital. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, she's pulling every plug, um, <laughs> sign every paper. Um, but it just goes to show you that when they're saying like, oh, she can't do certain things, but yet they're wanting her to dance and perform Four to five nights a week in Vegas, which that's not easy to do, um, and then but that's okay because you're gonna make sixty four million. But but you know what you can't you can't have your own cell phone because so that's a that's it. dangerous. That's
1: dangerous. Yeah, that's dangerous for us. That's what they're saying. Um, yeah. So in April of two thousand nineteen, Brittany goes through a mental goes through treatment at a mental health facility. And no it, one
0: heard from her. Like that's where everyone was like just breadcrumbing. Okay. Like,
1: yeah, she just decides she walked right off stage one night, announces that she's not doing this tour, and then legit just walks right into rehab, is pretty much how this goes down. And then in the documentary, um not I think it's framing Britney or is it framing or being Britney Spears? I can't remember the one on Hulu that came out. Can you can you pull that up in your fact checking Brent? <laughs> yeah. No. Um, but in that documentary, it's said that she's like, you know, I had to pay for, no, it wasn't that documentary actually. It was when she, um, in June, when she had her, uh, thing in court and she's like, I was forced to go into a mental framing, uh, framing, framing. framing. Themselves. Okay. Thank you. Um, I was forced to go into a mental um, center that I didn't want to go to. I had to pay for it out of my money that I did not want to go to, but they told me I had to do it.
0: And she was like, forced to be on lithium
1: forced to be on lithium. They took her off her drugs that she was taking and forced her to be on lithium, which she did not want to take, which is
0: not okay. Oh. And the side effects for, for lithium are you're on, if you are allowed to be on it from what I've understood, and it's very little that I've, I know about, it, but I do think that people have said that it does long-term effects. If you're on it long term, it's only meant to be a short-term, very right, short-term right. drug. And I think that she was on it for long-term.
1: Um, so Brittany entered a mental health facility and was later taken home by her now boyfriend Sam asagari um it was her decision to leave but she will still be monitored at home and through the roots of the free Brittany movement had a long had long been planted this um, incident riled up the followers and even posted protested for her release from the treatment facility so they're essentially been like it's not good for her to be here she needs to get out Okay, good. I, I, I believe that to be true, too. Um, and then May of 2019, Brittany attends a conservatorship hearing with her mom. Um, so they're trying to help in the conservatorship, and her mom's hoping that she can step in and try to help that. And then September 5th, 2019, Jamie temporarily steps back, back as conservator, citing personal health reasons. Um, But Jamie relinquishes control to Britney's caretaker, Jody Montgomery. Among the rights given to Montgomery was the ability to restrict and limit visitors except for Britney's court-appointed lawyer, Sam Ingham. Mm. And then August um, 2020, the conservatorship is extended into 2021, which was, that was not exciting for anybody to hear. Um, And then... September, 2020, Brittany acknowledges the free Britney movement, which I think was a big deal. It was um, a huge deal. Yeah. And then she was leading us
0: breadcrumbs. If anyone's following on her Instagram, you know, oh, she's wearing yellow today. Oh, she's, you know, whatever. She was like trying to give us whatever she could. That's what we interpret. We I'm saying like the masses were interpreted, interpreting it by and or different little sayings that she would do if she would wear, if she would wear something that the public wanted her to wear, then that meant she wasn't okay. So she would be, be shown in it. And I think that that's just something like, and then when she finally acknowledged it openly, it was like a whole loaf of bread, like, Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay, I can, I, can I talk about lithium real quick? I just yes. want to correct, yeah. correct, myself. Um, it's made to heavily reduce the frequency of mania or manic, um, episodes, as well as prevent bipolar or help relieve bipolar depression. Um, it does severely affect your mood changes. It causes lethargy, lethar- lethargy? lethargy, lethargy,
1: lethargy. Yeah. You're,
0: lethargy. When you're
1: lethargic. Lethargic. What's the, <laughs> okay. I don't, I've only ever, I've only ever lethar- lethar- been like, lethar- oh, I'm lethargic, lethar- but I don't know lethar- what the actual, like,
0: sorry, folks. We are. You know, We're
1: not professionals.
0: We're <laughs> just Lots go, of interest in interacting with others. And, um, and you're very often mentally confused and you hold no personal interests. So I think that that's probably what, and then the side effects physically are, um, long sick to stomach, diarrhea, dry mouth, metallic taste in mouth, and it can affect your overall blood, uh lift is long term. So a doctor has to administer blood tests regularly to make sure you're okay. Seems like a heavy de- heavy duty drug. Yeah. I'm just I'm just I just wanted to get that right for all those fat chickers out there.
1: Well I think they needed to do something to make Britney comply without being publicly making a stink. Mm-hmm. Is essentially because I think she was starting to catch on and like with the Free Britney movement, there was a lot more momentum behind her corner than there ever had been in the past. Um which, you know, when you have the a, a trust that now is taking over the conservatorship, then it becomes like this really like, what the fuck is happening situation? Like nobody really knows who's calling the shots, who's doing what? Jamie's not there, but then we have this trust. Why is the trust even getting involved in this? So it's it's becoming like a lot of different pieces in a in a game that we're not even really sure like who, who's playing it. Um, and then in November of 2020, Brittany refuses to perform as long as her dad is conservator. So Brittany's lawyer said that she's she hanging was, out. She's like, yep. She's like, nope. Bye. My client was informed, has informed me that she's afraid of her father. And the judge did not remove Jamie, but did add Bursumer Trust as a co-conservator. So they're they're still not gonna take Jamie away, but they're keeping the conservatorship going. And then February 5th, 2021, we get Framing Britney Spears, the documentary from New York Times that sparked public interest in Britney's struggle and even more as the free Britney movement reached new heights.
0: Yeah. And we actually put out an episode totally devoted to Britney. <laughs> we did. I know. And, we- and it took a, this took the world by storm. It was everyone stopped in their tracks. It was like... I mean, Megan and Harry took a back seat, like, get out of here. We don't care. We need to free Britney first. Y'all sit down. Right. We got, big,
1: we got bigger fish to fry over here. Big,
0: yeah. Our America's sweetheart. We need to get count. Yes. Um, Yes.
1: So when that happens, in March of 21, the Star petitions for Montgomery as conservator um, and Ingham filed to take out Jamie completely and give full conservatorship to caretaker Montgomery. In April... 2021, Brittany asked to address the court. Um, let's see, Brittany wants to address the court directly. And in June of 21, Brittany makes a plea in court. In a 24 minute passionate statement to the court, a 39 year old opened the lens on the life that she's been living for the past 13 years. I just want my life back. I'm not here to be anyone's slave, she said. I'm traumatized, I'm not happy, I can't sleep, I'm so angry, I am depressed, I cry every day. Though the judge had said the session could not be recorded or live tweeted, it went viral quickly and the audio attendance program was ended five days later. We reported on that as well because that was a very powerful Mm -hmm. statement. Hearing it in her words of just how unhappy she's been and what she's had to go through and what this means to her. And again, this is the first time we are hearing a live account from her mouth what she feels about this conservatorship and in real time in which we can all listen in and be like, holy shit. Like, you know, okay, what Brittany. she went through
0: with her therapist too. I think that was moving what, how she wants to continue having a family, how that 13 years was taken away from her, how she, um she calls it an ID, but it's called an IUD. Um, and she, you know, how she just wants to do simple things, how, that she's very angry, like she was angry. It wasn't a, you know, could you please it was like, you need the California courts have failed me. And she
1: mentions that several times. She's like, I've asked for this. I didn't she even said she's like, I didn't know I could petition to end this conservatorship. She's like, that was my ignorance. I didn't know. So the fact that her own counsel has never in the 13 years she's been a part of this told her that that was an option. Shame on you, Sam Ingham. Shame on you.
0: Well, let's talk about Sam. How much? He, how much did he make during? Sam, the
1: head- over the right. course, has been reported that he's made over three million dollars.
0: It's pretty so good for thirteen. He's riding that gravy
1: train all the way in. He's like, listen,
0: but sure things start to get a little murky because all of a sudden, when the framing Britney Spears started coming out, then he starts actually probably acting like a lawyer, and he's like, ooh. Well, and then when it comes to light, and she's saying all these
1: things, it's like. Oh, now people are coming for him and it's no longer, you know, a walk in the park. Um, and in July of 21, Bercemer Trust requests to resign from the conservatorship. They are like, uh, the petitioner has heard the conservator and respects her wishes. They are like washing their hands. They don't want their, like, this is dirty. I'm out. Like, that's how I read that. They didn't come out and say that, but I'm like, oh, they don't want a part of it. Um, July 2021, a court appointed a lawyer resigns. Um, Britney entered a oh, wait, sorry. Though Ingham had worked f- for her for 13 years, he was assigned by the court, and Britney expressed a desire to choose her own lawyer. Um, and like I just said, she didn't know she could petition the conservatorship to end, but she's like, I know that now. And then July 2021, Britney mm-hmm. hires her own lawyer, and a judge ruled that the pop star could her um hire her own lawyer, and she chooses Matthew Rosengard. A former federal prosecutor and a well-known Hollywood lawyer. And let me tell you, not all heroes wear capes because Matthew is a hero in this story because he has come in and he is like laying down the law and he's like this hero has we like need a a uh, mission. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's like, Let me get it's you getting it done. Um, but something really cool kind of came out of this, not kind of it did come out in July of 21, a bipartisan free. Act is introduced. Inspired by Brittany's emotional testimony, Florida Democrat Charlie Crist and South Carolina Republican Nancy Mace of the House of Representatives introduced a free F.R.E.E. Act, which stands for Freedom and Rights to Emancipate from Exploitation Act, making it easier for people to ask a judge to replace a private guardian or conservator.
0: Mm hmm. It's important. It is
1: important. I mean, not everybody has the resources and media attention that's going to help propel them into getting actions done. But this is one of those things that, yes, this is happening to Brittany. But if it's happening to her, how many other people have been affected by something like this that they're like, well, sorry, our hands are tied in court and we can't help you. And then they just have to stop there because they don't have the ability to keep pushing it
0: forward. I mean, it's very sad. We don't know how many people, I mean, they, they said it's in the millions that right now conservatorships um, that take place in the United States, but it's also really frightening, you know, the amount of abuse these people might be having. I, you know, a lot of this is, uh, is very damning and I hope that it, helped things come to light. Things need to change.
1: I do too. Um, okay. So that was July. So then July 23rd, Brittany asked for the conservatorship to end Rosengart filed to end the conservatorship, calling it a capisque nightmare in the document. I don't know what that means, but that's a big word. I'm not
0: pronouncing this. The Scrabble word. Mm -hmm. That's a $20 word. August 9th,
1: 2021, a request to move up the hearing is denied by Judge Penny. But August 12th, Jamie Spears agrees to step down as the conservator. So this is important because he's not he filing to end the conservatorship. He's just asking to be removed as the conservator. That was a very key, a key point in this. Um,
0: Correct. But he also wanted all of his legal bills paid over mm-hmm. $1.5 million. And he also wanted um, like a stipend for like media issues that he wanted to control. I think it was close to 500 grand. Yeah. So All in all, he was asking for over $2 million to cover some expenses which I do believe Brittany denied. As
1: well. She should. She's like, oh, you're having a hard time in the media, Dad?
0: Mm, So sorry.
1: Those (laughs) posters getting to you, Dad. Mm. Is it hard being you, Dad? Is it? I wouldn't fucking have any sympathy for that either, Britt. No. I wouldn't. Um, Let's see. So that leaves us to where we are today. And today is September 30th, 2021. And as of September 29th, 2021, Jamie Spears is out as a conservator and they have filed to replace him with a public accountant by the name of um, John Zabel. So the idea behind this is they don't want the conservator to ship to end right now because they want to investigate and be able to prosecute the people who are in play in the conservatorship. So I don't understand legally how any of this works, but I'm actually very interested to find out what they're gonna do with this and how many like if it if a conservatorship is still up and running, they they have access to all the things that are going on within the conservatorship, which is what they want to try to find out, correct? Is that what but you understand,
0: Britt? that's what i understand like they want if you close the door you can't reopen it i think that that it's like well it's over so because the both parties agreed everyone's side the dotted line and that basically i think exalts anyone from um any harm or foul play and i think if you keep it open my understanding is that it you can still bring charges if there was any harm or foul play foul okay, play not that okay. no one died but like foul like not, not right. good stuff <laughs> That's a technical legal thing. term, not good stuff. Yes, not good stuff. Hashtag not good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But you know, it, it's pretty smart. I think and she's got she's she's got a dream team. I think she didn't. Ha- Dude, I bet the amount of lawyers slide into her DMs are the um, plentiful. Like, let me let me hint this. Oh, do you know this? Did you know this? Did you? Know-
1: <laughs> yes, okay. yes, yes, and yes. Um, if they're not. You should be. I, I, agreed. I mean, I can only imagine the kind of people that were like girl you don't see this she's like i'm not allowed to see anything and she's mm-hmm. not allowed to see anything because we find out in um in the controlling britney documentary which is the follow-up to the hulu documentary that came out framing britney spears also produced by the new york times that alex we will insert his name later because don't know how to pronounce that i, one.
0: I think it's Vlasov. Vlasov. okay we'll call him alex
1: Vlasov. Uh, who was a former assistant in the black box security um, who was hired to be the security for Britney Spears. And we find out through him that a bunch of shady shit went down. Um, So Jamie worked with Edna... Eden Yemeni, who is the head of Black Box Security, and Robin Greenhill, an employee of TriStar Sports and Entertainment Group. Remember Lou Taylor we talked about earlier? All coming back. Which handled the business side of Britney Spears' career. And I'm going to read a quote. Blassoff, a former employee of the security firm Black Box hired by Jamie Spears to protect the star, claimed that the trio had a group chat that discussed... every step she took, including closely managing her intimate relationships. He claims that Greenhill proposed setting up an iPad to monitor Britney Spears' iCloud activity, including text, notes, calls, and browser history. Conversations with her friends, her mother, her lawyer, anyone who and lawyer were all closely watched. So... So By also- setting this up, they're they are they're using a mirror there that they would set up the iPad to mirror all activity. They had access to everything, which I think if you go back, that's how they found out about the journalist who was sliding the documents underneath the bathroom wall or bathroom stall in that hotel. Um, I think this is how they got to know the whereabouts of any and all people who she was trying to contact and who she was trying to date, who she was trying to hang out with, Um now the question being raised by Flasoff was, "Is any of this legal?" And the the comment that kept coming back was that, um, "No, it's the her lawyer knows everybody is on the same page. We're all doing this. Like this is what the lawyer and the team wants. So this is what we're going to do." Um, but at some point, even Britney Spears's lawyer, Sam Ingham, at the time questioned. it was like, "This is not okay. If you're not giving your." Permission to have this done, this is not okay. So, well, I'm we know that
0: th- Sam woke up for that one, right? <laughs> He's probably like, I can get disbarred for it. I, 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 I basically think if, if it wasn't something he can get disbarred for or lose his license, he was like, I, I guess I should probably speak up. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, but it goes on, she had zero privacy. Zero. Um, it's very, I mean, it's very disturbing if you don't have a fire in your belly, like listening to a lot of this, even the fact that they were recording her bedroom conversations.
1: Yes. Yeah, so that actually gets brought up in court as well from her current lawyer, Matthew Rosenberg, who um, who says, Judge Penny, ask him right now, did he plant a listening device in my client's bedroom? So according to Alex Vlasoff, the former employee of Black Box, he said that they did plant devices in Britney's room and he was asked at one point to destroy a flash drive that he was like, There can be no record of this. Absolutely none of this can be held. Um, you know, like nobody can know this is happening. So destroy it. And he's like, what's on it? And he's like, you don't need to know. So he's like,
0: oh shit. Okay. Well and also he was heavily threatened because he started to ask questions. That's a that's a pivotal part of of part of these interviews is that he was like, I don't feel right about this. He was he was he was made to administer drugs to her and he, they were, they came in like sealed envelopes. It wasn't like an IV or anything. And that he had to make sure that she took them every day. And he felt very uncomfortable with that. like yeah. He didn't feel like that was a part of his duties because this was never a part of what he had been through in his previous employment. Um, so anytime he started to ask questions, any of the upper levels were like, what, you don't like this?
1: Exactly, and there got oh, to be a point we- where Alex was like, "I'm done. I can't do this anymore." And when Alex was leaving, um, he, he went into the 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 head guy Eden's office, um, and Eden placed his gun with the clip out on his desk. And Alex questioned him about his businesses and practices, and he disagreed. And he's like, "If you have a problem, tell me your problems." With the gun in his face, and he's like, "It's not a threat, but it was a threat. It was it was no go. Fearful. Gotta go." Yeah, so it was it was interesting to hear from him um, because again that's a that's an account we haven't heard of before. That's a side of the story that has been under lock and key for up to this point.
0: Well, and then I was reading other articles about uh-huh. the controlling Britney Spears. I haven't watched it yet. I'm I deaf- haven't either, but i am definitely deaf- downloaded yeah. it. Um, one of the clear claims too on that documentary is that not only was Britney Spears during the circus tour, which we were previously talking about how it was like a very dark time. All of her assistants were under lock and key as well. So they were held to the same standards as, as Britney Spears. So I'm wondering later on, maybe in this documentary they're going to talk, maybe later on they're going to talk. I have a feeling a lot's more going to come out. I mean, you know, at, at some point we're going to know way more whenever they're ready. Five months, five years, who knows, but. Um, there's a lot more going on, and it does just bring light to how um, how we can all get very complacent and how we, you know, just because it seems okay, I guess we assume it is because they're smiling and everything's fine, um, but it we definitely uh, yeah, kind of dropped the ball on society as this one, just like previously we mentioned. Like,
1: yeah, you know, I agree, and I feel like we've all played a part in her downfall because we've all at some point, like- bought the magazines that she was on the cover of. And, you know, we supported this, like we wanted to consume so much of this person we had on this high pedestal and that absolutely contributed to her mental deterioration. And now as like, it's still even in my head now, I'm like, I know we're talking about it now and we want to get the story out there and we want to just share, like how do we help this not happen down the road? But it's like, think about all the people who have been monetizing off of Britney Spears and yet she still can't make any money off that. Like
0: mm-hmm. other,
1: pe- how many people have made money off her name without her, even just her, just being her. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, it's true.
0: or just the fact that it's like the media or the public or the country decided basically what was, be- what was best for her. I'm not even talking about the conservatorship. Like, you know, she fell in love with Kevin Federline and, but I guess we deemed, I say we America deemed that now. Okay. Like he doesn't match the, the theory, but we think you should be with. Like she's like, Well, I'm in love. It's like she didn't even ever have her own choice. And then the medium basically brought him down as well as her because it was like, mm, You're not doing it the way we think you should. So we're just going to chastise you. And I think that's what really would happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's that clip that they show that Rosie O'Donnell, when she was on The View the day that it was announced that Courtney or Courtney, um, Brittany and Kevin got a divorce, that confetti falls from the ceiling on the view and they're like, it's happening. Brittany's
0: divorcing Kevin. Like in that hindsight, that's fucked up. Yeah. It's yeah. really fucked up. Like we could giggle about it now or, or back then, but like, that's kind of fucked up that, that like you're so number one, you're that invested kind of weird, but two, like, wow, you really wanted the demise of that relationship and that family. Yeah. You know, know.
1: it's, I mean, it's a lot. We all just thought we had a place in, you know, in that story. But ultimately, it's but honestly, I mean, it, it Catch-22, ultimately, it was the fans who got her to this point, like that Free Britney movement that started is really where this like the the catapult or the catalyst of getting this ball rolling. And now it's like, look how many people and look how much influence is behind this to get her to this to where she is now I mean I, it wouldn't have happened without our fans it just Correct. it wouldn't have so as much as you know we were a part of the downfall we were also like all right I see it we I'm gonna take blame and then how can I help you like that's the the greatest example of like we tore you down then let's build you back up
0: mm-hmm. Man, all she wants to do is make a ciabatta sandwich <laughs> go on a drive with her boyfriend and Maybe do some yoga. I mean, leave I mean, it the girl. Let about. her
1: make a baby. Let her make a baby. Yeah. Just let her let make her a baby. Have a baby. Just
0: let her make a baby. However, she wants to have a baby. If she wants to have a baby, she doesn't want like let her live her life. Right. Just let her do it. Yeah, I know. Well, this has been fun. I know this has been fun. This has been. If so you're still good. with us, thank you. Thank you.
1: We know it's this is a long a- one. <laughs> <laughs> you spent your afternoon with us. We really appreciate it. <laughs>
0: Well, we just didn't know how to, co- I mean, we actually, we did know how to cover it. We just, we just knew it would be a lot because it's meant a lot to us over the last mm, 10 months, mm-hmm. um, nine, nine months. So it was something we really want to dive into. And we we're really looking forward to having a bigger voice um, for whatever she wanted to say and a uh, deeper dive into it. So thanks for, thanks for showing up.
1: Exactly. We love you guys. It's been so much fun. Uh, please continue to share the love if you love it, like share it with friends that you think are going to love it too. And, you know, let us know what you think. We're always happy to hear your thoughts.
0: All right, guys. See you next time. Thanks for sharing your time with us. Help keep the CZL momentum going by rating our podcast and writing a review. If you
1: love what you heard in today's episode, snap a screenshot and post it to your Instagram stories. Don't forget to
0: tag us.